welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz. I am your host, Danny Katz. I am an author, journalist, and a quantum languaging coach and consultant. What that means is that I teach people how language programs consciousness, how language programs reality at large, and how to transform reality and evolve our consciousness with language. I've also been known to cultivate and share an opinion or two or 12 about culture and consciousness and how they are evolving, devolving, and being manipulated by the powers that were. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to fostering critical thinking while supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated, realized, amazing version of yourself. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. (laughs) And think. Given the radical uptick in censorship over the past few years, combined with the complete co-opting slash decimation of my own personal industry, journalism, I started Word Up to have a free speech-friendly platform in which to engage exploratory, solutions-based conversations with visionaries, mystics, original thinkers, and rebel badasses who are helping to make the world more wonderful. The first half of my interviews run between 30 to 90 minutes and are always posted here for free public listening. The second halves are reserved for paid supporters on my Patreon and my Locals platforms, where for as little as $5 a month, you can access all of my second half conversations along with oodles of other bonus content and opportunities to drop in with me, to drop in with our High Vibe tribe, and lots of other awesome things. In addition to interviews, Word Up also features quantum languaging upgrades, planetary service announcements, and propaganda analysis, which I call Spot the Propaganda. Thank you so much for tuning in and for sharing your sacred attention with me and our high vibe tribe of change makers. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you can stay abreast of our every episode. Thank you for also clicking the like button, for sharing far and wide, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As well, if you are gleaning any value whatsoever from these shows, consider supporting me on Locals and or Patreon. And as you are wanting to learn more about my quantum languaging coaching and consulting services or nab copies of my books, find me on dannycats.com as well as on quantumlanguaging.com. Okay, I think that's it for our housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Superstars, welcome back to another episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. I am your hostess, Danny Katz. On this show, we talk about how language programs reality, how to use language to transform ourselves and our world for the better. We talk about propaganda. We talk about social engineering. We talk about cultural criticism. In between, solutions-based conversations with visionary thinkers and rebel badasses. Today, I am joined by myself for a solo show. And as we have been talking about my new book, The Language of Betterarchy, I wanted to start off, well, I wanted to do a deeper dive into one of the very basic premises upon which this book is based, which has to do with the masculine feminine polarities and the complete understanding of the return of the divine feminine, of what it means to rebalance the masculine feminine energetics in this realm, in our culture. So I'm gonna start off with a little anecdote. It was a few months ago, I was heading out for a road trip and I wasn't paying attention and I think I was a little bit too heavy on the gas pedal and I got pulled over on the freeway for going 10 miles over the speed limit. 
So of course I pulled over and the officer that came to my window was a woman, <clears throat> a small woman, probably smaller than I am. And I, I only, I only weigh in at five, four. I was like, I'm weighing in at five, four, but I'm not talking about my weight. My point is, is it was a diminutive young woman in her twenties. Now, according to the social engineers, <clears throat> the fix for everything terrible on our planet, which can be blamed on patriarchy, according to the dominant narrative, can be fixed by putting women into positions of authority and power, or black people, or gay people, or brown people, or differently able people, or whatever, whatever. So the female police officer comes to my window, and she just barks at me, license and registration, proof of insurance, with this like aggressive tone. Now, were we buying into the fiction that putting women into positions of authority would even out the power imbalance and a lot of the issues, you know, sort of top down control issues that we're dealing with in our society? Um, <clears throat> according to that narrative, meaning pulled over by a woman cop would what? Bring more fairness to the situation, bring more feminine qualities to the situation. But this woman wasn't animated by notable feminine qualities like um, intuition, like a sort of broader conversation around where my head is at, why I might be speeding, what's going on, right? She's not operating with any of these feminine specific polarities that we're going to get into in a little bit in this very podcast. In fact, because <clears throat> from my perspective, she was a diminutive woman operating in what has historically been a masculine realm of authority. What I witnessed and experienced with this woman was her being more unreasonable, <clears throat> more aggressive, more unruly um, to sort of prove her, I don't know, worth. I often see this type of um, kind of false power coming out of people who've been placed in positions of power and authority, but who don't have any sort of real internal sense of their own power or authority. I'm trying to get for anyone who's watching, I'm like trying to get the light to 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 jump back on. <clears throat> but I've seen this so often um, that, uh, you know, Oftentimes, women that are operating in traditionally masculine roles will double down on masculine shadows, on masculine ways of being to kind of prove their, their fake power. And that's exactly what this woman was doing. She had no interest in, in reasoning with me and talking to me. I said, any, you know, any way you could give me a warning this time? No, nope. like super rude. And then she said, <clears throat> She like shoves this contract in my face with a pen. You need to decide right now if you're going to fight this in court or if you're going to pay the ticket. And I said, well, I'm not in a place to make that decision because I'm dysregulated. Um, I'm feeling fear and I don't really have any perspective on the situation to make that decision. And she goes, either you make this decision now or I make it for you. And that means you're going to court. And it was like so unreasonable and aggressive. And I'm like, Again, like, I'm not really seeing the feminine here. If we're going on the dominant cultural narrative that says putting women in positions of power is going to even out the masculine feminine imbalance, this was not an instance of that. And so I signed it and I signed under duress, all rights reserves. And she's like, that's not going to help you. That's not going to do anything. And I'm like, yeah, again, I'm not feeling any feminine energy here. I'm feeling a female woman doubling down on the masculine shadow because she doesn't have any real power in herself, right? She doesn't know herself as an empowered person with agency. And so this is how she's playing this game. So I only share this not really very interesting sh story to show us that just because women are placed in positions of power doesn't mean that the feminine, the capital F feminine is is um, rebalancing the imbalance of power or is even going to be implemented or activated in these instances because we have um, we've not yet learned that females don't necessarily equal the capital F feminine. And we haven't understood that rearranging the pieces in a broken game doesn't fix the game. It gives us the exact same broken game. All of this 
is kind of a shorthand reason why I wrote my new book, The Language of Betterarchy, because it was soon after Me Too that I saw the social landscape erupt in this punitive, vindictive demonizing of men as a means of propping itself up. And I really see this as sort of the shorthand for this fourth wave neo-feminism that doesn't just want women to take their place of power in the status structure, but they want men to pay for the positions of power and status that they had previously occupied, and they want them to suffer, and they want them to feel the pain, and they want them to hate themselves. This, to me, doesn't seem very healthy and doesn't seem like a way of rebalancing the power structure. So the reason why I wrote this book is because I saw patriarchy being blamed for everything terrible that's ever happened since the beginning of time. And I saw the proposed fix being to put those groups who had previously occupied lower rungs of status in our hierarchical construct and to put those groups at the top and decide, okay, we fixed the problem. From my perspective, privileging any group over any other group and operating in a system that would have us privileging groups and kicking other groups to the curb is a really outdated, um, non-life-affirming system that it's time for us to evolve out of. From my perspective, the issue is hierarchy, it's not patriarchy. And so from that perspective, matriarchy is not a fix, right? Putting women in positions of top-down control doesn't fix the problems that come from a system that relies on top-down control to organize it, right? If we're dealing with a top-down control system, which is what hierarchy is, we're always going to have resentment. We're always going to have groups that are doing poorly. We're going to have ghettos. We're going to have third world nations, sorry, developing nations, right? We're always going to have those who are suffering as an excuse for others to thrive. So from my perspective, we've got to get out of that system because even if you have women on top, we're still dealing with an imbalanced masculine feminine in terms of the larger energetic polarities that animate this third dimensional construct in which we are living because privilege and status are themselves masculine qualities. And the reason why we're going into this today, and I'm going to move us slowly through this, is because it seems to be the loudest pushback my new book has been receiving from people who conflate masculine feminine energetics with embodied men and women and get their panties in a bunch and aren't able to hear or think beyond their indoctrinated contractions around gender to understand what I'm actually talking about. And, you know, this is something that I've seen in terms of the pushback that I've seen Jordan Peterson get when he describes the feminine as chaos. And I've seen women, I've seen, you know, I've seen the interviews, women getting all bunched up, like women are not chaos. How dare you say that? And it's like, he didn't say that. He's talking about the polarities, the energetic polarities, the complementary opposites that make third di- third dimensional reality possible. I, I often refer back to the hermetic principle. There are seven hermetic principles. One of which is the principle of polarity and one of which is the principle of gender. I'm speaking to both of those principles when I'm talking about the larger energetic imbalances that putting women on top is not going to fix. It's performative optics that keeps us in this pointless tail chasing status quo that has certain groups resenting other groups for their privilege, for their status. If we want to fix the problem, then it's time for us to evolve out of status altogether. This is the basic premise of my book that alleges that it's time for us to move out of hierarchy into the placeholder that I have called betterarchy. So I'm going to read us from this awesome new book that is available in print, ebook, and audio. But because this is like the fundamental foundation of the book and of the paradigm shift that I'm proposing, I'm gonna move us through it 
slowly. So from page 22, such a magical number, especially in the gene key system. Patriarchy, the universal scapegoat. Modern mythology would have us believing that patriarchy is to blame for everything terrible that's ever happened since the beginning of time, from pollution to polio to stretch marks. And that the cure for this universal malady is for women to take their role at society's top rungs. The push isn't for matriarchy per se, even though the idea of women at the top is often mislabeled as such. And this is really the point. Well, one of them. So what is patriarchy anyway? Traditionally, patriarchy refers to an organizational structure that privileges men over women and that places dudes in positions of favor and authority. We see this the world over across the vast majority of cultures and continents. There are secondhand tales of exceptions, native tribes in far off lands wherein women rule or hold positions that lend themselves to more egalitarian utopian social structures. Still, we cannot deny the dominance of men the world over and the imbalance of power their positioning has engendered. And yet, the fact that the majority of those in power are men, and that it's men who seem to be driving our earthship, making the decisions, calling the shots, and hogging the wages, the resources, the window offices, and the airwaves, is an expression of a bigger, deeper, more insidious meta distortion, which is itself fueling patriarchy and inciting this imbalance in the distribution of power and status between men and women. In fact, I purport that the bigger, deeper, more insidious meta distortion is responsible for all the power imbalances between all races, religions, cultures, beliefs, and ideologies the world over since the beginning of time. To treat the, the issue of patriarchy topically by replacing the men in power with women is pointless tail chasing, performative optics meant to appease and distract the masses. The scenario is akin to smearing antibiotic cream atop a rash that's being caused by a food allergy while continuing to gorge ourselves on the exact same sustenance that is causing the reaction in the first place. Patriarchy isn't the problem. It is a symptom of an infinitely more nuanced, insidious, and widespread issue that most people don't even realize is plaguing our planet. The issue is hierarchy. Now, this is kind of the preamble that gets us into masculine feminine polarities. Masculine feminine polarities being the complementary opposites that comprise this reality construct. Remember, we live in a world of equal and opposite forces, right? Masculine, feminine, yin, yang, dark, light, left brain, right brain. We can de define them however we want to, but this is still a realm of complementary opposites. Um, and, you know, across religions and philosophy and physics and machinery and engineering, these complementary opposites have been defined as the masculine and feminine. Think of a plug going into an outlet in the wall. The plug itself is going to be the masculine that inserts itself into the feminine. Of course, it parallels our own genitalia. This has nothing to do with the ridiculous gender conversation that's happening that alleges that gender is not real. Gender is real. Gender is super very real. Um, and these masculine feminine polarities that have been imbalanced for so long cannot be pinned on just embodied men and women because what that that is a symptom of the larger problem. So in the book, I have this little list of the masculine feminine polarities, and I'm a little bit bummed trying to see if there's a way to get these on camera for those who are watching. Um, when I read the audiobook, you know, obviously I'm not going to be reading the illustrations, and I did not read the list of these hand-drawn masculine feminine polarities in the audiobook, which if I, if I had it to do differently, I would change that, but it is what it is. 
Now, this is by no means an exhaustive list, but this is a list of some of the basic delineations between the masculine and feminine just to help us understand these larger polarities beyond the reductive man-woman conversation. So differentiating the masculine-feminine polarities, we have the masculine being external, the feminine being internal. Just think of our genitals, right? Now, it's not to say that masculine that men are only comprised of masculine and that women are only comprised of feminine. That's not the case. We're all comprised of both. And it is absolutely an internal job for us to alchemize and come into right relationship with our own individual feminine and masculine qualities. You know, I myself, as many Gen X women, right, children of second wave feminists who were running the fiction that uh, a, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle, um, we are an interdependent species. We all are um, reliant on a certain amount of masculine energy, a certain amount of feminine energy. A lot of us Gen X women who are coming out of that second wave feminist movement are overly masculinized because we've been indoctrinated to think that men are useless and that we can do, be, and have it all. Now, of course, we can, right? We see women doing it the world over. We see single women having kids, having careers, but is it optimizing them? Is it really the best? I can only speak for myself. And as a woman who has historically run a lot of masculine energy, I see where it's exhausting. <laughs> I see where, um, it's not necessarily the most natural thing for me. I see what a blessing it is when I am in the company of someone holding a strong masculine energy, be that person a man or a woman, which because we live in a world of complementary opposites allows my feminine energy to come to the surface. And I see that for me, when I'm in my feminine, I'm most relaxed. I'm in my most real deal power and I'm happiest, right? But that's my own internal work in terms of starting to recognize when I'm um, leading with my masculine, when I'm forcing things, when I'm hustling, right, versus when I'm relaxing, when I'm magnetizing, when I'm working with what is instead of forcing something, right? So all this is just to say that, like, we are each our own unique combination of both masculine feminine energy. And for anyone who's walking a path of con conscious evolution, it is wise for us to start to recognize when we're operating in the masculine, when we're operating in the feminine, when it's appropriate, and also what energies are coming at us. You know, I I'm of two minds right now. I'm like, do I finish the list or do I share the anecdote? So <clears throat> let me finish the list and then I'll share my example. So um, another way to differentiate the masculine feminine, the masculine is doing and the feminine is being right now. When we look to the larger masculine feminine imbalance in the world, I want us to keep in mind men holding most of the positions of power and authority is a symptom of the larger masculine feminine imbalance. Think how many times you've been in a social situation, you're meeting someone for the first time and they say, what do you do, right? That simple example right there is an indication of the masculine balance in our world because we're asking people to identify themselves by what they're doing, right? We're not asking about their qualities of being, we're not asking what their you know, favorite type of music ask, we're saying, what do you do in the world? Tell me about your masculine energy, your masculine expression, so I know how to identify you, put you in certain boxes. Also, just notice hustle culture, right? How if we're not doing, if we're not producing, um, there's the allegation that we're dropping the ball. I mean, in, in my coaching clients that I work with, this piece comes up so consistently with my female clients. I'm not doing anything. I'm not producing anything. I'm not posting on Instagram enough. It's, it is so freaking consistent how often I will see the women in my life and my female clients beat ourselves up because we're not doing 
enough. I see it in myself, right? That like, I will have the intention of taking a day off to rest, to replenish, to, to, to have some recreation, to give my nervous system a break. But very often there's this like, but you're not doing this thing, you're not doing this thing. And then like how easy it is to assess how good my day is by how productive I was. That is a clear indication of the masculine imbalance and me defining myself by my productivity, by my doingness versus like, what is the quality of my heart, of my mood today? Am I holding inner peace? What was the quality of my conversations, right? Um, what, what energy did I radiate out into the world because of the quality of my beingness? That is something that we're still learning to value in our culture as those of us who understand what the true imbalance between the masculine and feminine is are doing our best to course correct. Course correct. Okay, so... Um, Another way that we differentiate between masculine and feminine, the masculine is operating through analysis, through data points, right? The masculine is intellectualizing through the left brain, through logic and reason. The feminine is more um, operating through intuition, right? Through a deeper true north in the gut, right? Through, through sensing things that might not necessarily be able to, to be measured. Look at um, the materialist point of view. The materialists want us to believe that if we can't measure it, if we can't touch it, it's not real. It's woo-woo nonsense. Now, physics counters that by saying um, the mass and the potential of the space between material reality is so much more real, is so much more dense. There's so much more to that. For some reason that really hasn't taken hold in our culture as a means of honoring the feminine, right? The unseen. The masculine, which is devoted to rational logic, says if we can't see it, it's not real. It's fake, right? That I would say is one of the major cruxes of the imbalance, right? What we sense, what we know has no meaning or validity according to consensus reality. It's only what can be measured. Um, data points are honored above our own lived experience, right? I born and raised in Los Angeles and a then boyfriend who was born and raised in Illinois was showing me data points and articles saying that um, that summer was the hottest summer on record and that Los Angeles was slowly rising in temperature and that the temperatures we were exp experiencing were record breaking, had never happened before, an indication of something gone totally awry. And I, my perspective was that's totally not true. I've lived in this town my whole life. Summers are hot. Late August, September is gross. I can remember distinctly in high school uh, driving to work when it was 118 degrees and my Plymouth Barracuda didn't have air conditioning and getting to work and almost passing out and needing to like hang out in the stock room um, until my body temperature regulated. And he told me that's not true because I don't have data points or a chart marking my own lived experience, but instead, if I were a sane, rational person, I would throw away my own lived experience and give my allegiance to propaganda with like a chart, right? That's the masculine feminine imbalance that we're talking about. The masculine is structured. The feminine is random, right? And that goes back to that chaos that I mentioned Jordan Peterson talking about. We can also see this in terms of the demonization of the unknown, of the mystery, of anything Plutonian related to the planet Pluto or to Scorpio, right? Why do Scorpios get such a bad rap? Because that sign is uh, aligned, is ruled by the planet Pluto, which rules transformation, death, sex, mysticism, the unknown, right? Those things are demonized because they're the feminine, right? We don't have that kind of framework in our generalized conversations about them. But it points a lot of times like men's fear of women, right? Because we are chaotic. You don't know what you're going to get with women. And yes, I am moving into the woman conversation because women tend to be animated by more feminine energy. And 
the kind of um, mercurial quality to our emotions that we can turn on a dime can scare a lot of men because we're not consistent, right? We're chaotic. Our emotions can change on a dime and that's scary, right? Which is part of the reason why um, that chaotic element gets a bad name or the generalized capital M mystery of the unknown gets a bad name because it can't be charted out ahead of time. Um, we have to be present. We have to deal with these unknowns as they come up, right? Okay, the masculine is all also independent, whereas the feminine is interdependent. And we see this, and I talk about this in today's post-show throwdown, which is available for my subscribers on Locals and on Patreon, where the masculine wants to do things on its own, not acknowledging that we are an interdependent species that needs one another, without acknowledging that when people are suffering, um, you know, in parts of the world that don't have enough to eat or drink, that it truly is affecting the whole because we're not independent from the whole. That's my whole issue with hierarchy in general. That's why hierarchy, part of the reason why hierarchy is such a masculine construct you know, aside from the fact that status itself is a masculine construct, is that hierarchy doesn't acknowledge that if we're kicking men to the curb and treating them horribly and inviting men to feel bad about themselves, that that's affecting the whole of humanity. You know, it's such a weird thing to me when I would see women in Los Angeles wearing these future is female shirts. I once, I'm not even making this up. I saw a woman at the park wearing a cashmere sweater that had embroidered into it, the future is female, while she was holding in each hand a, a, a boy toddler. And I'm thinking like, so there's no place in your future for your own sons? You're not acknowledging that they can read, that they're gonna be internalizing this notion that they don't have a place in our future? Like how checked out are we? So the feminine is, is honoring our interdependence, right? The feminine is, is is um deferring to the greatest good for the most amount of people whereas the masculine it's independent it's like i want my piece of the pie it's jeff bezos taking a joyride to the outermost reaches of the atmosphere while small businesses are closing left and right in real time he doesn't care he's not into interdependence he's into his independence he's into he you know he wants his joyride so the masculine is also competitive defined by the aspect of competition, whereas the feminine is defined by cooperation, right? So another fundamental fiction that hierarchy rests on is that we're living in a realm of limited resources, that we're living in a realm defined by not enough to go around. And the only way to make it and to safeguard yourself, your family, your precious bloodline is to compete with those around you to grab your piece of the pie your tiny, shrunken, crummy, stale piece of the pie. The feminine acknowledges there's totally enough to go around. So let's support one another so that we're all fed, so that we're all clothed, so that we're all taken care of, right? Key differentiation. The masculine is defined by logic, well, as the feminine is defined by values, right? So it's like, okay, A plus B might equal C to the masculine, but to the feminine, it's like, well, do we want to elevate C if C is not representative of the values that honor life, that honor the greatest good? Um, sure, that might make logical sense. Think of any time you've been in an argument with someone that's like heated and the person you're talking to is not honoring where your feelings might have gotten hurt, where you might still be integrating a trauma or a wound, where there's a tender place, where the person you're talking to is just like, well, this is what happened and this is how it's supposed to be. Logic, 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 feelings be damned, right? Clear instance of the masculine being elevated over the feminine. The masculine is linear, right? Driving itself forward. Of course, we can think of male genitalia, but we could also think of our entire tech industry, right? Let's just drive progress forward, 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 forever forward without stopping to think, huh, is this incorporating our values in a circular way? Is this incorporating the greatest good in a circular way? No, it's just forward. Think of sharp angles versus circular, right? Um, the masculine is about results, 
where the feminine is about the process. Think of no pain, no gain. You know, for me growing up as a competitive gymnast, it was no pain, no gain. The process was irrelevant. It didn't matter, you know, how much I was hurting myself to land my double back. It was like, just land the double back, right? The masculine is like, who cares how painful the process is as long as we get the results. The feminine is more like Bhagavad Gita, right? Where like for anyone who's read the Bhagavad Gita, it's like, don't concern yourself with the fruits of your labors, the fruits of your efforts, focus on the integrity of your labors and your efforts. This has been a switch that I've, you know, have learned to make around writing books, you know, which is painful and takes a lot of time. This book language of betterarchy took me five years to write. Why? Because I allowed the process to take priority over the end result, which now I see made for a better book. There was a moment where the world changed really drastically in 2020. And the book that I intended to write wasn't really appropriate anymore. If I had just barreled through because I was more results oriented than process oriented, I wouldn't have taken that into account. My book wouldn't be reflective of where we are now as a culture, because I would have been stuck with the original idea and just focus on those results. When we're focused on results over process, we, we suffer more, right? People are, are not having a good time realizing that like the now is all we have. So for me, the adjustment that I've made is like, if I'm doing any task and I'm seeing it as drudgery or have to, and I'm not enjoying it, then that's the energy that will go into the end result. In addition to the fact that I'm wasting my nows and I'm not enjoying them. So my new practice is let me pull myself away, switch up the headspace, see what I can do to make the process more fun, put on a good playlist, put on a silly outfit, you know, put on my my little aromatherapy thing with some nice, some nice sense, like, how can I make the process more enjoyable? Because really, the process is all we have. I don't know if I'm going to be alive to finish this task. A meteor could crash through the roof of my casita at any moment and crush me. All we have is now. So, you know, the feminine is like, let some put it, put some attention on the process, making sure that we're aligned with and enjoying the process instead of only focusing on those bottom line results that hierarchy and the masculine are prioritizing over the process. The masculine is uh, about differentiating over integrating. And this is super, super key. So what do we mean by differentiating? Focusing on our differences, right? How are you different than I am? Um, the, the feminine is more about, cool, we have these differences, let's integrate them instead of creating separation based on said differences. Let's open our arms wider, right? That's always kind of my shorthand gesture for the masculine versus the feminine. With the, when we're dealing with capital F feminine, it's like, can we open our eyes wider and wider to include more differentiation, to include more real deal diversity, right? Not the performative optics that they try to convince this is diversity, but diversity of thought, diversity of ideas, diversity of opinions. Um, and then lastly, for this list, the, the masculine is about dividing, whereas the feminine is about unifying. And this is where we see the whole divide and conquer thing being such a masculine strategy, right? The masculine wants us thinking that um, a trans person and a person of color and a white guy and a differently abled woman can't all be on the same team, can't all share conversations or share their perspectives of the human experience because of these tiny differences that the masculine would have us convince it, convinced make us separate entities, right? The feminine is like, cool. We have a differently abled person, we have a black person, we have a trans person, we have a gay person, we have a, you know, whatever person. Great, let's unify all these differences under, under the shared umbrella called humanity and, you know, use it to create more color, more spice, different qualities of experience here within our unified human experience. So that's really like one of the biggest issues that I have with this current divide and conquer identity politics, 
um, performative PC virtue signaling nonsense that we're evolving out of is that that division is an expression of the masculine imbalance. And so when I hear, you know, so-called feminists saying, uh, smash the patriarchy, kill all men. I'm like, isn't that interesting that you're using a masculine strategy to claim your feminine dominance and dominance itself being another element of the masculine, right? The masculine needs to establish dominance, needs to organize the world into status, into higher, lower, better, worse, richer, poorer. The feminine is like, cool, you have more uh, resources, they have less resources, you still have equal value as human beings, right? We don't have to play this status game. So I want to just go back <clears throat> to the book just to tie up this piece of it. We're still in Aquarius season, so thank you for rolling with the nonlinear way of <clears throat> podcasting, which is probably my, my default setting anyway. Okay, so <clears throat> for simplicity's sake, let's examine these distinctions through the lens of left brain, right brain functions. I have found that when I talk about them as left brain, right brained, it um, doesn't trigger the gender defensiveness <clears throat> that those who are operating under the delusion that gender is a social construct can get tripped up on. So. From this vantage point, the left brain, aka the masculine, is responsible for reason, logic, and analysis, while the right brain, aka the feminine, is responsible for creativity, intuition, and emotion. While the left brain divides, separates, and differentiates, the right brain perceives and honors the fundamental unity that connects all life. The left brain adheres to data points and statistics and to the measurable and the material, while the right brain is connected to the intuitive and unseen realms that the masculine dominant patriarchy indoctrin indoctrinates us to dismiss and deride. Western culture has long elevated masculine qualities of doing, fixing, differentiating, and generating while devaluing the feminine polarity that expresses as being, integrating, and accepting. Patriarchy is just one expression of this imbalance that we see at a structural slash organizational level, but the tendrils of influence the imbalance yields are long and many, tangled and insidious, extending far beyond the perceived slash reductive battle of the sexes. And then I go into reason versus intuition, which I think we've already we've already gone over here. But here's another piece that I feel is so super relevant in terms of understanding and again, <clears throat> The point of this is so we can understand that the return of the divine feminine doesn't have anything to do with women in charge. It might organically reorganize itself such that more women are in charge and in positions of power. But if that is not a result of a larger meta restructuring, then it's really just performative optics that keep us in the frequency and the paradigm of the problem that we are seeking to solve. So <clears throat> this is one that I feel like is so super freaking relevant for where we're at in terms of like the AI automation conversation. Bigger, faster, more versus wise, humane, compassionate. The imbalance between the masculine and the feminine can be seen in our race to innovate more bigger and better technology without pausing to consider or dialogue about whether it is in our species best interests to produce and employ these so-called advances. Cultures overemphasis on forward driving progress has us skipping the part where we consider whether things like nuclear bombs, self-driving cars, and smart chipped automated everything serve the best interests of the people and the planet, and not just the egos and net worth of the shareholders. 
The bias that has us unconsciously favoring the masculine over the feminine can be seen in our race to colonize other planets, weaponize space, and take joyrides to the outermost reaches of the atmosphere while millions of earthlings go to sleep hungry every night. The masculine is focused on innovating, achieving, and moving technology forward, while the feminine is inclined to care for the well-being of the whole and knows that while innovation and technological progress have their place, safeguarding the collective's most basic needs takes priority over this kind of achievement. Now, I see this coming into place, coming into play in terms of like, I'm thinking when I go to any store now that has self-checkout machines. So, or we can even see it in terms of like, when customer service representatives who used to answer phones at corporations are now replaced by a machine that says press one or two, right? It might be convenient for the bottom line, um, but it's putting people out of work who need work. It's taking away sentience and compassion from the customer service experience, right? So is it serving the greater good? Is it serving the best interests of the customer? No, it's just something that we can do for the sake of doing it and something that is probably, I mean, there's like the whole larger like techno-fascist op. So it's obviously serving that. But what it isn't serving is the greatest good of humanity and the people who are comprising that humanity. Okay. <clears throat> we are all masculine and feminine. All humans are animated by a combination of these two polarities. We all have left brains and right brains. We all have masculine and feminine qualities and characteristics. When we talk about the suppression, repression, and oppression of the feminine, we are referencing the feminine nature that both men and women embody. Similarly, when we talk about the elevation of the masculine, we are referring to the louding and overemphasizing of these qualities, characteristics, and modes of expression in all people, men and women alike. Think of the fiction that men can't cry, that men are pussies if they show emotions. That itself is an expression of the masculine doing men and boys a disservice, right? We are all ill-served by this imbalance because we've all been indoctrinated into a culture marked by this imbalance. Like, no one's unscathed. All right, going back to the book, for those listening. The elevation of masculine modes of being has been encoded into our belief systems and existential orientation at a fundamental level. Hence, the pressure we feel to do and achieve, the guilt and antsiness we wrangle when resting, relaxing, or replenishing, the challenges so many of us navigate around receiving, right? Receiving being fundamentally Feminine, think of the woman receiving the man into her body. It's a metaphor for the larger masculine feminine energetics, the masculine being the giver, the feminine being the receiver. How uncomfortable are so many of us with receiving, with receiving gifts, with receiving money, with receiving compliments, right? That is the masculine feminine imbalance. Notice how how nuanced it is, how it extends so far beyond just dudes in, on, in, in positions of power. <clears throat> our complicated, so we're, we're talking about the pressure we feel to do and achieve, our complicated relationship to emotions, vulnerability, and free expression, feminine characteristics, the myth of the starving artist and the perceived stability of the corporate minion, the list is truly endless. And while women are, generally speaking, wired to embody and exhibit more feminine qualities than their male counterparts, given that we have all been operating within the construct of patriarchy for countless centuries and generations, both men and women have been programmed with the unconscious contempt for the feminine and the elevation of the masculine and are now embodying this cultural distortion and smearing it all over our world. What this means is that women are expressing this masculine feminine imbalance just as much as the men are. 
No one is unscathed by patriarchy because patriarchy isn't just top-down control and domination. Patriarchy is how our minds are programmed and our worldviews are shaped. There's this picture of a girl who has glasses thrown off to the side and she's holding binoculars up to her face. And the text says, patriarchy is a lens of perception, change your mind. And that is really like the crux of my perspective on this whole thing is like, if we want to rebalance the masculine feminine, then it's incumbent upon all of us as individuals to change our minds, to change our lenses of perception, to change our meaning, mecha meaning making mechanisms such that they're valuing the feminine to the same extent that they're valuing the masculine. Now, I am not of the opinion that the masculine is bad, that we need to get rid of the masculine. The masculine is freaking awesome. So is the feminine. What we need to do is balance them both and come into right relationship. And I personally don't see how that's possible in a hierarchical structure that is itself resting on the masculine, like the overvaluing of the masculine over the feminine in its very structural nature. Like it's just not gonna happen. So the last piece from the book, I think, um, while it's both easy and fashionable to point to men, industry, capitalism, or colonialism as the villains behind inequity in our culture, the status afforded to masculine energies, perspectives, and modes of existence is the true nexus point of the imbalance between the masculine and the feminine. The nexus point excuse me, this nexus point is particularly insidious because it is invisible and because it sees this inequality and this imbalance into everyone's worldview, men and women alike. From this vantage point, it doesn't matter if it's men in charge or women in charge or purple one-eyed unicorns in charge when the worldview informing the collective lens of perception, style of leadership, and means of doing, being, and engaging are still being informed by this tired old imbalance that has us elevating masculine thought, perspective, and action while devaluing the feminine versions. What this means is that were we to snap our fingers and magically reorganize society such that it was primarily women holding positions of leadership, privilege, and societal status, we would still be living in a patriarchal structure guided by the very same overemphasized masculine principles, which would still have us manifesting the very same issues of lack, limitation, division, and conflict in which we find ourselves awash today. So the reason why the whole first part of my book is about debunking the myth of patriarchy is because the current push to put formerly marginalized groups on top while kicking previously top tier groups to the bottom is a reflection of the masculine shadow. Um, and it's being propped up by the feminine shadow. And I know we're nearing the end of this podcast, but you know, there are masculine feminine shadows and there are feminine shadows. Um, Brief overview, the masculine shadows are going to be coercion, violence, um, conflict, right? Using force, uh, might makes right, right? Like all of those are masculine shadows. What is the feminine shadow? Hysteria, emotional manipulation. Now, again, we all have these shadows. We all have a tendency to express those shadows. It's just coming into right relationship with the shadows and not being bullied by them. So, all of this is the setup for us to understand how hierarchy isn't serving anyone and to privilege certain groups because they had a hard time in the past is only to double down on this masculine imbalance and on the devaluing of the feminine that wants to equal it all out and get rid of status and privilege altogether. Once that part is understood, once we can start to see where this masculine imbalance is shaping our society beyond just dudes at the top, then we are resourced to course correct the true origin of the problem, which is in the valuing and the privileging of masculine ways of bees, 
of being and doing over the feminine version. Once we're clear on that, then we could start to understand, okay, now let's break down hierarchy. Now let's break down the markers of this wholly imbalanced masculine structure so that we can take responsibility for sustaining it with our every word, thought, and deed. And we can take responsibility for transforming that structure, for coming into balance with the masculine feminine by switching up our languaging and using language that isn't coded with that imbalance from the get-go. I could go on and on about this, um, but I just wanted to give you guys like the basic fundamental perspective on this masculine feminine imbalance um, so that you can see why, like what the issue is this book, The Language of Betterarchy is course correcting and why the privileging of formerly marginalized groups is actually only exacerbating the problem instead of solving it on any level. As you're inspired to learn more, to go deeper, of course, I encourage you to nab I was going to say a copy of my book, but that wouldn't really be as fun for your friends and family who would also love to read it. So I'm going to encourage you to nab many copies. It is available in print, in ebook, and in audiobook. I did the narration on Amazon. If you're not inclined to give your money to Amazon, respect. I love that. Message me privately. I'm happy to arrange for a private sale. That does it for today's show. Thanks so much for tuning in. As you're inspired to go deeper into my work in general, you can find me at dannycats.com. Um, my, my site is under reconstruction, but it's up. You can access um, through my site, my Instagram, something.danny, um, which is a great place to follow me for daily doses of inspiration and thinky fodder. It's where you can find your way to my Odyssey video channel, to my books, to the podcast I do with Emily Moyer, to my brand new pop propaganda course that I'm super excited to share with you and yours. Um, it was originally a homeschool course, but this version um, is appropriate for teens and grownups alike. And because it's digital, you are not reliant upon me and that just right sweet spot in our Venn diagram of scheduling overlap to partake in its awesomeness. You can find that at poppropaganda.com. You can also find it through dannycats.com. If you're interested in working with me one-on-one -on -one as a coach or bringing me into your organization as a consultant, you can learn more about my quantum languaging work at quantumlanguaging.com. Lastly, I'm encouraging you to sign up for my newsletter at dannycats.com because it is the best way to ensure that we get to stay in touch regardless of what sort of big tech thought policing censorship machinations are still happening despite the fact that we have a First Amendment in this country that it seems to have taken a pause for some reason. All right, that does it. Thanks so much for paying attention. Thank you for remembering that every word matters, that you are omniscopic amazingness. Have a rockin' day. And four, <laughs> clicking that subscribe button for liking, for sharing, for commenting, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As you are receiving any value from my podcast, as you dig it, as you listen regularly, consider supporting me on Patreon and or Locals, where for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half podcast interviews, as well as oodles of bonus content. Your support really goes a long way in supporting me as a journalist and an independent content creator navigate her way through a really crunchy time in terms of free speech. And as you are wanting to learn more about my work in the world, my books, my products, my quantum languaging, coaching, and consulting, you can find me at dannycats.com as well as quantumlanguaging.com. And if you're not down with a membership patronage platform and want to send me one-time donation, you can use the Bitcoin link if it actually appears on your podcast listening platform. You could also send me a one-time donation by way of PayPal at dannycats at p 
m.me or by way of Venmo where my username is Sadie Bloom. Again, your support means the world and makes a massive, massive difference when it comes to continuing to share this work with the world. Thank you for sharing your sacred attention with me. Thank you for remembering that you are omniscopic amazingness and for having a rockin' day. See you next time, superstars.